0: Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crypt, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Our show is about hope and prosperity in tough times. Today is Monday, February 25th, 2013. And on this day in history, Muhammad Ali became heavyweight champion of the world. That was 1964. I love Muhammad Ali. I'd like to welcome author Brian Thomas Schmidt of Ottawa... Oh, I have Kansas, right? Ottawa, Kansas? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was Canada. Somehow. Anyway,
1: I got that. No, it's cheaper to call here, I guess, from where you are, probably, so... Yes, sir. you think you're not calling
0: Canada. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what I thought I was calling. Now I don't even have a budget. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, hey! I'm just sitting here reading stories for Ray Gun Chronicles Space Opera for a New Age, an anthology I'm working on of classic-style space opera... I'm so excited about this project, guys. We are going to have stories from Shana McGuire and Dean Wesley Smith, Christine Catherine Rush, Mike Resnick, A.C. Crispin, Alan Steele, Brenda Cooper, Sarah Hoyt. This is going to be some awesome, awesome stuff.
0: Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. It's been It's nice to have you here. I saw your page on Kickstarter, and our producer is very familiar with um, everyday fiction. Yeah,
1: everyday fiction. It's a magazine. They put out uh, fiction every day. They put out a lot of things. They also have everyday poetry and a couple of other things going on. And they used to publish a space opera magazine called Raygun Revival, which is part of how this project came about.
0: Have you recently teamed up with um, Everyday Fiction, or has this been an ongoing relationship?
1: I did a lot of interviews for Raygun, uh, one of their magazines, Raygun uh, Revival. And I was friends with two of the publishers and helped them a little bit with some business marketing stuff, but we never did anything really formal. This was kind of an opportunity that arose, so we thought we could have fun working together. I guess it's kind of like the first time, but the first official time, really.
0: So what's your audience for Gun Chronicles? I think it will appeal to people of all ages, but in particular, if you're a fan of
1: pulp. science fiction space opera, if you're a fan of even things like Star Wars, but things that have kind of the old-school feel to them, you'll really like it. We're trying to do space opera by contemporary authors with an old-style feel to it.
0: How did this idea start?
1: I was talking with Jordan Ellinger, who's uh, one of the three partners in Every Day, about you know the fact that Ray uh, revival was going to end, and I just funded an anthology called Beyond the Sun through Kickstarter, and we started thinking we gotta do something together and I said love to do some of the space opera and the idea came up from one or the other of so us that we could use some of the stories from Ray Gun Revival and get them a whole new audience and get some really good big name writers involved to come aboard and write new stories with kind of an older feel as well and it would be a really
0: cool project to put together. I read your bio and it seems as though you are an author at heart, but for this project it seems like you're especially taking on the role of a publisher. Is that correct? This will be my third
1: anthology project. I also edit a magazine called Blue Shift, which is a brand new science fiction magazine. Yes. Uh, and I have other anthologies in the works. I edit books freelance, and I edit stories freelance and different things for people. So... Yeah, I really like to write, and I really want to make my living writing books, but I like editing, too, because I like working with other people and helping them to make their dreams come true and make their work better. So, yeah, I'm taking on the role of editor and kind of um, spearheading the project with full support of Jordan and his partners.
0: What is a space opera, actually?
1: Space opera is basically Star Wars, Star Trek. It's like a space western it's an epic story of uh involves everything from politics to action to maneuvering where people are basically trying to uh there's a larger impact of good versus evils. If the heroes don't try up it's gonna have a negative effect for the larger galaxy kind of thing. That's what the space opera tends to be about. That term was kind of coined from the, the horse opera term that was used in the old days about referring to Westerns, as horse
0: operas. I see that you have roughly 125 backers while we're having this conversation and you're at 25% of minimum funding. If there was someone who's kind of like leaning the fence or is kind of interested in sci-fi, what's your sales pitch for them? We're
1: trying to put something together that's TG-rated at the worst, so I'm trying to appeal to people of all ages. This is the kind of thing that you could share with your kid and you can read it and you can talk about it. I used to love doing that with my parents, when I of a kid, having stories I could read and talk about. Yes, It's going to be pretty lighthearted and entertaining and not very nihilistic. A lot of the stuff you see in science fiction fantasy these days is very nihilistic because the world tends to be very nihilistic in which we live. We're going to have a lot more hopeful and um, kind of happy stories in this case. It's not that there won't be jeopardy or danger, but we have an awesome T-shirt that every band's going to want. I have a ray gun and I shoot first, which, you know, is a play on the Han Solo thing. And I think everybody's going to love it. Our artwork by Paul Peterson, who's an award-winning artist, is really great. I, yeah. think, I think, I don't know what's that's to like, in my opinion, but, you know, I'm probably biased.
0: All editors are biased. <laughs> that's part of the job.
1: <laughs> well, it's my project. I'm trying to get it funded, so I have to be.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Last question, I see you're in the class of 2001 Covenant Theological Seminary. Does that mean you're a minister or something like that?
1: You know, I got my master's degree in theological studies. I'm not in ministry. I used to be in ministry. I'm actually focused more on writing and creative stuff now. I do use themes from time to time and explore different themes in my work that came out of all of that. Yes. You know, I enjoy looking at the different ways that cultures interact and all those kind of things. I did some work as a missionary mainly, doing arts training for people around the world. Yes, sir. And that was what I got my degree
0: for. Well, I said it was my last question. Reporters always cheat on that, even though I'm not a reporter. But uh, I was just going to ask on balance, how does your theological training how has it shaped, you know, your vision of sci-fi? The Christian faith
1: tends to be a hopeful faith. So yes. I definitely tend to lean towards the hopeful side as opposed to the nihilistic side. And I also tend to believe that there is a moral structure. That I think there are some things in the universe that are right and some things that are wrong, period.
2: Now, yes.
1: we all might disagree on what those are. There's some things that are very black and white to me because of my faith.
0: Some lines you won't cross.
1: But beyond that, I mean, I, I do see and believe in something bigger than what we see around us. And that, of course, inspires by reaching for the stars, so to speak, and by writing and looking looking beyond into the other. Yes, and sir. my missionary work in cross-cultures is definitely a big part of what I do because I write about different cultures in my writing, and I enjoy exploring how people misunderstand each other just because they grew up in a different place.
0: Well, I'm going to have to check out that T-shirt. I like the fact that I draw first. And uh, Brian Thomas Schmidt... I appreciate your contributions to the Kickstarter community and thank you for coming on the show.
3: Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm talking to half of the team of Sharp Rocket, a group of app developers out of Canada. Right now, they're trying to get off the ground on Kickstarter their app Shellshock. Now, it's about this crazed turtle with all sorts of superpowers. But before we get into that, I'd like to say welcome to Mike and Sam. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Since I have half the team, could you tell me about the other two people that we left out? So we'll just have everybody in.
3: Ryan is a friend of mine. Uh, He's in my program, the uh, University of Waterloo Laurier, Wilfrid Laurier double degree program. So he takes the hardcore math, so I'm sure he's studying right now for a linear algebra exam. Kieran is uh, finishing up high school. He just applied to Laurier and Waterloo for actually the same program. Me and Ryan are in except the computer science version instead of
0: math. Now tell me a little bit about this turtle. I believe his name is Jimmy. you're a turtle. Is it it a turtle? Jimmy the turtle. But he's not a normal turtle.
3: He gets these power-ups that are awesome. Just awesome. We're talking heat-seeking missiles, lasers, Gatling guns, the whole shebang. The story behind Jimmy, I think we haven't developed it completely, but we were coming from the whole angle that he's an FBI or secret agent kind of turtle, right? Going from the whole NASA conspiracy thing, he was a special uh, turtle engineer to, you know, do some crazy kick-ass
0: stuff. And you're trying to knock off two other apps right now. You said that, you know, you guys are kind of tired of the crying birds or happy birds or something.
3: The competition we have is Angry Birds and um, Tiny Wings, which are both bird-style games. The whole turtle idea is basically a playoff of another cute animal because, you know, we can all relate to just being an animal and doing something that you don't usually do, right? Like flying or uh, knocking down angry pigs.
0: Is there anything that I left out that you'd like to say to the people who are listening?
3: Yeah, we just want to say we're thankful, right, Sam? yeah absolutely even for you this podcast is amazing any exposure that we can get is just phenomenal and all the community support that we've been getting
0: All right, dude you guys get back to your exams and uh, DJ Grandpa says always do well in school I believe in that best of luck with your campaign DJ Grandpa here how you doing pretty good man vibing off your music there we're pretty excited about it i'd like to welcome jesse ray of the group soul pie they're on kickstarter they're from the san francisco california area and their kickstarter project is for soul pie to launch their debut album battling mountains and then a subsequent tour so may i call you jesse yes, sir I'd like to see you guys on tour because I watched your Kickstarter video and you guys tore it up. And I understand why you got the money because you actually played in the video. It was incredible.
2: I think everybody in the group sort of pride ourselves on our live performance and the fact that we, you know, we spent a lot of time sort of learning our craft and uh, just happened to like the same music and so it kind
0: of just comes together. Now, how long have you guys been together? The
2: band has been together for... About a year now
0: this podcast airs on Monday and you'll have roughly three days left 72 hours left on your Kickstarter program and you guys should be proud because you have nearly 100 backers And you're at 120 percent of minimum funding. What would you like to say to your backers?
2: More than anything I can speak on behalf of everybody in this band. I think we were just really blown away with how generous everybody's been and you know we're still a relatively new band we haven't toured yet we haven't put out an album yet you know we play shows fairly regularly around the bay area but kickstarter gives you the opportunity to do something that's really organized and it allows you to really put your best foot forward and i think that everybody showed us that they were genuinely excited for the next step of soul pie which is no, that's where we're at, and it's nice to see that you're on the same page with your, you know, your friends and your fans and the people who support
0: you. Jesse, who are your influences singing wise? Because your band is all over the place musically, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I would say I'm influenced a lot by
2: Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, and a lot of that isn't necessarily just his singing style. A lot of that's just his approach to music and the way that he presents himself. Maybe not necessarily as much the political stuff, but you can see that music resonates through him, like that's the first and foremost important thing, you know, and I'm more of a a baritone myself, so there's some other rock vocalists that are sort of down in that range that I've always sort of looked to, and that's Scott Weiland from Stone Temple
0: Pilots. Ah, I was just about to say, I got it written down that some of your songs remind me of Stone Temple Pilots. I love those guys.
2: And then there's all the great Stevie Wonder, Father Plant, and Freddie Mercury, and I love Van Morrison.
0: This show, DJ Grandpa's Crip, is fairly new, but I'm starting to see a pattern. I interview these rock bands, and they talk about how they're just repping the old-style music so much, where there were singers, and there were dancers, and there people actually played instruments. And I'm saying, why do you guys feel that need to... Seemingly go analog on you. why.
2: I guess creativity is always kinda of searching for a spot where there's kind of a void in this sort of creative universe. And I think, you know, everybody kind of knows things come full circle and and I think we're sort of like the baby boomers of the rock and roll era. Right. Everybody in, in our band, their parents had a huge music library, you know, growing up and and we just were all totally fascinated by the whole you know late 60s movement and got into that kind of music really early on you know i think naturally the motivated musicians of our age the ones who are wanting to learn their instrument and put something together that that has some credibility and musical worthiness i think that's what's kind of happening like you said i'm really glad because the music industry needs good new bands you know
0: the background, I'm listening to your song "Salt in the Water." Tell me about that song.
2: "Salt in the Water" is actually a, a number that our bass player brought to the table, just um, sort of the main, the main hook uh, of the first line. And we just Tommy and I jumped on it. Tommy's guitar player. It kind of became our big sort of frog kind of rock anthem song to sort of round out the collective. You know, "Butterflies" is a, kind of a soul tune, and Soul in the Water is sort of the more rock one, and you know, I'd say if anyone on the album has a Stone Temple pilot, it's going to that one.
4: Butterflies <laughs> wear me down <laughs> When they should fly away Caught inside this lonely man But all my mind no my dreams
0: Who I, am. I was just about to ask you about the song Butterflies, but you kind of beat me to it. Okay, yeah. You're a little ahead of me, man. I'm kind of slow today. Tell me about that
2: uh, song. Butterflies is, you know, the soul throwback number, and obviously the initial influences, you kind of try and take them and, and make them soul pie. But Butterflies is referencing butterflies in your stomach, and it's talking from the perspective of somebody who's kind of looking at the problems in the world and feeling a sense of urgency but not necessarily knowing how to do your part and you know it can be kind of a daunting thing to think about.
0: When you guys are on tour I want you to give me a call and tell me what that sensation is like because DJ Grandpa is the world's biggest music fan bar none but I just want to feel like I'm with you guys on tour somehow because you guys are a great band and I think night after night you're going to give an incredible show so just keep up the stamina I love what you're doing on Kickstarter and I just want to thank you for being this week's musical guest
2: I'll save your number and I'll give you a call (laughs) you know a few of the guys have toured a fair amount but they're not for a while because They've been kind of saving up waiting for the Soul Pie Tour. So, yeah, we're excited, man. DJ Grandpa, thanks for the call, man.
0: Yes, this is DJ Grandpa. How are you doing there? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I've been studying your case history. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, I hope that's a good thing. Of course it's good. If you're on Kickstarter, it's always good. Well, you know, especially if you're successful like (laughs) you are.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's gone really well so far, so I can't complain.
0: (laughs) Welcome, John Schaefer at the gates. He builds his game on Kickstarter almost like a Stephen King movie, you know, like Stephen King, you know, the rebel or the evil within, but it's John Schaefer at the gates. I love that title, man. <laughs> thanks,
5: thanks. It was something where we really wanted to evoke the theme of the era. So this is a game where you leave barbarians and you take down Rome. So wanted a name for the game that actually reflected that and made you think about
0: that occurring. From the video, it looks like you have a three-person team. Is that correct for developing this game?
5: It's myself, full-time. I'm doing kind of the business side of things. I'm doing game design, and I'm doing the gameplay programming. We have uh, a guy here that's doing a lot of low level programming. He's part-time, and then uh, someone who's acting as our art director, who's part-time as well.
0: The art direction is beautiful. I loved it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. We really wanted the game to have our
3: style to it that was appropriate to the type of game we're making. So we're we're making a strategy game,
5: and it has to be clear what's going on at all times.
0: Hi everyone, this is John
5: Schaefer, Project Lead for At the Gates. You may also have played Civilization V, which was the last game I designed. At the Gates is an empire builder set in the era of classical antiquity. With this setting, you might be expecting to play as the civilized Romans. Well, not in At the Gates... As the empire collapses, you are building a kingdom belonging to one of their barbarian enemies.
0: In the video, you use the words classical antiquity. You can never go wrong with those words, and I think that aptly describes the rendering that you have on this game. What stage of development is this game at? Mm, it's tough to say exactly, but probably about halfway done.
4: So as you mentioned in the video, we show off the game. It's at a playable prototype stage right
5: now, so you can actually... Do everything in the game that you could do, um, you know, in theory, in the final version. Uh, it's just not done yet. It's not uh, polished or balanced. You know, we got a really good head start, but there's a lot left to do between uh, polishing the art, balancing the gameplay, writing a lot of the AI code, adding sound effects to the game, all those sorts of things. So
1: we're pretty far along, but still a lot to do, of course.
5: I really believe that At the Gates is pretty important for the future of strategy gaming. Not because it's going to be a humongous title that sells millions of copies, but because it shows that smaller titles, or at least titles that are developed by a smaller team with a smaller budget, can still have the same amount of depth as much bigger and more
0: expensive games. Now, why Kickstarter and not license this somehow to a bigger game developer?
5: When you're working with a publisher or a middleman, they're basically guessing as to what they think the game will do or who it will appeal to. Whereas with Kickstarter, you can go straight to the people that will actually be buying it and interested in it. And we can try different ideas. We can use, you know, that aren't available in the larger developments. We can have 2D art. We can use unique themes like the fall of Rome. Yes. Uh, so it, it really gives us a chance to go out on a limb. And there will be times when that's not going to work out, but
0: uh, it also means that you get more variety in terms of what gets made. You just said going out on a limb. That brings me to the sweet part of the story. Now, since you've been on Kickstarter, you're at 150% of minimum funding of At The Gate And the projections are on, you know, I always go to kicktrack.com, but the projections for your campaign once it ends is that you'll reach nearly 300% of your funding goals. Why do you believe that you've had such success on your first Kickstarter?
5: Well, part of it is certainly my track record. So for anybody who's not familiar with that, I was the lead designer for Sit 5 which was, you know, one of the bigger strategy games that's come out in the past five or ten years. I worked on that at a bigger studio at Caraxes, so a lot of people know of my work and what I can do from that. I think in part it's also because there aren't as many games of this type that are coming out. So it's called a 4X strategy game or an empire builder where you basically start from one city or settler and you don't see much of the map and you have to basically build everything and uncover the entire world yourself. And there's only a few games of this type that come out each year, and uh, they're all pretty popular. So, you know, they're tough to make, uh, they're tough to get right. You know, in the games business, you work on what you're interested in, and not as many people are interested in making
0: strategy games or making strategy games of this type. So you're taking a risk. I like that. The American (laughs) spirit of entrepreneurism. What do you believe the rating for this game will be?
5: Given that it's a pretty complex strategy game, I imagine that the audience will tend to skew a little bit
0: older. Now, let's get down to a little Kickstarter business. I'm starting to read more and more articles, a lot of them associated by tech magazines and distributed through the Associated Press, about Kickstarter is becoming increasingly more competitive for everyone who's on the platform, especially gamers and especially big name projects. And some wonder if the funding platform is losing steam or going through a sort of backer fatigue. Have you thought about that any, or have you seen these sorts of articles?
5: Kickstarter is a very, very interesting space right now. It's still kind of in the initial honeymoon phase where the whole gaming site kind of got kicked off with Double Fine Adventure a year or two ago when uh, Tim Schafer put up an adventure game idea on there and you know made $3 million or whatever it was and really, there has not been a whole lot of games that have come out yet. So it's kind of in that early Wild West phase where people are trying to feel out what's going to work, what doesn't, what people resonate with. You know, it may never reach a point where you know exactly you know what is the
0: perfect Kickstarter pitch. It, it might just keep changing forever. You have nearly 2,000 backers while we're talking right now. What would you like to say to them?
5: The biggest thing would be to tell them thank you for contributing. The most important part of Kickstarter is that... Uh, People are putting faith in you to follow through on your promises and deliver what you say you're going to deliver. You know, for 2,000 people to say that yes, you know, a year and a half out or however long it ends up being, uh, we're willing to give you our money and uh, make something great with it. It's really you know humbling and, and it's awesome to see so much support from everyone.
0: As I said before, the artwork to this game is beautiful, and if you're interested in learning more about John Schaefer's At the Gates, go to Kickstarter.com and search words at the gates or you can go to our website for more information at djgrandpa.com. Uh John, thanks for joining the collective and coming on the show. We appreciate it a great deal. Thanks for reaching Absolutely. out. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. Next up, Tom Anderson from Montrex Watches on Kickstarter. Hello, Tom.
5: Yeah, thanks for
6: uh, having us on the show.
0: We have designed and created some wonderful prototype mechanical watches
6: based on the Resonance Carousel. Our goal is to get our new Montrex watch brand into retail stores and online.
0: But yours is described as a truly unique timepiece. That's correct. Why do you say that is?
6: Well, because it's got the Resonance Carousel on it, and the Resonance Carousel was created by us, and it is a very unique feature that uh, nobody else in the world is using. It's a carousel that sits on top of the uh, balance wheel, At the six o'clock position, you can see it spinning one time per minute, like a tourbillon. And this helps the watch through the resonance theory to keep better time. So it's a very cool feature uh, that is actually uh, functional as well.
0: What would you like to tell your backers?
6: Well, that we really uh, are truly uh, humbled and honored that they put their faith in us. And we owe a tremendous of gratitude to them, without them, we would be stuck.
0: That's like a pun, isn't it? Nah. of, kind of, not really. Yeah, sort of. What's your sales pitch for anyone who may be setting the fence on backing your project right now?
6: We're putting these products uh, on the Kickstarter program at a big discount because we already have a lot of the components necessary. So we're willing to take a hit, so to speak, on the wholesale price that we anticipate selling so that we can actually get the necessary components being cases and some other things to complete the project. So that's going to kind of allow us to then have the product out there able to provide to the retailers at the regular wholesale price.
0: How much is the wholesale price to distributors?
6: $650.
0: And they'll retail for approximately how much? $1,295
6: is what we anticipate the market will bear for these watches.
0: So that is a steep discount then you're offering to the Kickstarter community.
6: But it's necessary for us to do because otherwise we have a bunch of components just sitting there and we can't bring them to market. Now this allows us to complete the watches. Then we can get back on track and start getting them out to the distributors and retailers.
0: So far, your Kickstarter campaign has been wildly popular on the site. And as I said, you know, watches are all the rave right now on Kickstarter. And you have competing brands. But the question is, who is your clientele at approximately $1,200 a pop?
6: I would say it's probably 25 to uh, 70-year-old men. And... Honestly, a $1,300 watch is not really considered high-end. It's considered kind of a mid-range watch. So it's more of somebody who probably has an average income. Of course, there are a few with some higher incomes that go after this type of a watch because they already have many other watches and want to have this one as well. Yeah, they're, uh, they're watch enthusiasts and you know self-proclaimed watch collectors.
0: Thank you very much for your time, and I wish you the best with your campaign. And those are beautiful watches on your website and on your Kickstarter video.
6: Thanks a lot for having us on your show.
0: Our next guest, Rick Seward, is the president of Griffin and Eagle Games. I could never get that dude's title right. Hello, is this Rick? It is. Hi, it's DJ Grandpa here. I'm actually
1: the president of Griffin slash Eagle Games.
0: All right, I just wanted to make sure I wrote down president, but I couldn't find it on the web anywhere. I just saw Overlord or Overseer or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well,
1: any of that's probably okay. Okay. Chief Cook and Bottle Washer. Ah,
0: I've had that title many times, many times. <laughs> okay, this game is for all would-be wizards, And their apprentices. Could you tell me a little bit about the game Wizards Brew? It's a
1: game that can be played by three to six wizards players. And you are involved in both a race and an auction to create the Elixir of Life. You're chasing around the board, interacting with your fellow wizards, trying to collect ingredients, which in this case are tokens of various colors. And the object of the game is to get, depending on the number of players, is to assemble a number of these ingredients. The first person to do that uh, wins the game, creates the
2: elixir of life. This is the realm, prepared for a challenge of three wizards. Note that the realm consists of cities, forests, desert, mountain, ocean, and plains areas. To begin, each wizard receives two spells and may decide to keep both, one, or none. This game is
0: very exciting. I checked it out myself. My children checked it out. And since May of 2011, Griffin Games has created over 19 Kickstarter projects. That's quite an impressive record. How do you keep up the pace?
1: It requires a lot of teamwork. Our designers are critical to the process. We field inquiries from designers literally all over the world. And And obviously many of them are... First-time designers really excited with what they've got, and they want to show us uh, these designs, and they're quite willing to work uh, with us to develop the designs. Yes, sir. You're right. That is a a large number of Kickstarter projects.
0: Rick, your project is at 125% of minimum funding right now, and you have nearly 200 backers. What would you like to say to them?
1: A great big thanks. Obviously, we can't do this sort of thing, no matter how enthusiastic the designers and, and the company is about the games. The backers are critical. Without the backers, we can't produce these games. So uh, it's a huge, big deal to us that Kickstarter is out there and that the backers are as supportive as they are.
0: Since you've joined Kickstarter in 2011, have you seen or noticed any sort of trending patterns?
1: First of all, we were one of the early adopters of the Kickstarter platform. It was unique, and there were some interesting things that occurred early on, but now, obviously, many, many... Folks, thank goodness, because I think Kickstarter is absolutely wonderful, in lots of lines of work, use Kickstarter. Games companies and small publishers, uh, first time publishers, are certainly using Kickstarter more. So there's clearly a much wider variety of things to choose from. Yes. Another trend, of course, is how international Kickstarter has become and how many more people do want to support. Again, the challenge for us primarily with that is uh, shipping. There's also an interest in what are called stretch goals. That wasn't anything that existed at the start of the Kickstarter program, but they can be a challenge too. There are some games where they're not such a big challenge. Wizards Brew is largely a card-driven game, so we have actually commissioned the artist that did the work since the Kickstarter program started, in fact, and it looked like it was going to be successful. We commissioned him to do several extra pieces of art for us, and we've now incorporated those into the current campaign.
0: I need that shirt with the wizard <laughs> on it. That is cool. Cool piece of merchandise.
1: <laughs> that is something we've used. We actually used it for I'm the boss. So mm, if you're not particular about your wizard and you just want to look like a boss, we can get <laughs> you a shirt and a
0: Just some old gray wizard with a long beard look like ZZ Top. That's all I want. <laughs> But, dude, I'm impressed by Griffin slash Eagle Games because it's like, wow, in the last 10 years, you've put out 150 games. I mean, how could you keep up that sort of pace?
1: Well, I think I'm growing a Beard to Rivals Easy Top as well uh, in the process of doing that. <laughs> but uh, it has been very ambitious, in fact. I'm not sure I can personally keep up that pace. And uh, the success of a games company is measured in large part not only by the new titles they're able to do, but the popularity of the old titles being ones that people want to see come back and be reprinted.
0: Yeah, your catalog.
1: Exactly. And so we're fortunate enough to be probably reprinting about half of the titles in the catalog. That's a big accomplishment.
0: That's impressive.
1: I wanted to mention, if you'll let me, too, that we have an even more recent kickstarter project that we started only two days ago the name of it is triassic terror and it's about dinosaurs and it's about managing herds of dinosaurs in the primeval environment of swamps and deserts and mountains and plains terrific game looks great and this is a game with good kid appeal it's lots of dinosaurs I wouldn't describe it as a kid's game, but kids can certainly play it. Maybe 10 years and up.
6: Among the deep, murky swamps and overgrown forests strode great behemoths that caused the ground to shake with every step. It was a time of great evolution,
5: but also great danger,
6: as massive predators stalked the lands, and the lands themselves shook and opened up to swallow life.
0: You know, I'm DJ Grandpa, and with me, my imagination as far as gaming stopped at games like Risk and Monopoly and Checkers and Chess and Stratego. It just amazes me how there are so many people who can come up with new board games. I can't even fathom it if I try to come up with one.
1: I'm constantly amazed really at the same thing. When I first started this 17 years ago, you're absolutely correct in saying that Risk and Stratego and Chess Checkers... Those dominated the American games market for many, many years, and of course a number of children's games, too, that were produced and still are by Hasbro. But in terms of the kinds of games that we're looking at now, 17 years later, a lot of the culture for gaming came out of Germany, and it spread, and it spread pretty fast and pretty thoroughly, so that now you are looking at a games community that's worldwide and growing all the time. Interestingly enough, I think one of the influences on that has actually been video games. People might say, well, my goodness, what's he mean? Because video games have just killed the board game industry because that's all anyone wants to do is play video games. But the reality is that video gamers now in a second or third, depending on how you define generation, have turned on the switch in terms of being aware of games in general. And the more sophisticated, the better, because let's face it, the video games generally can be sophisticated if they're not just strictly bang, bang, shoot 'em up style games. Yes. So I think the fertility has come from both the fact that the world shrinks, the internet has obviously brought an awareness of not only gaming, but lots of other things as well, but certainly gaming. There are many good games out there produced by a number of smaller designers and smaller companies like we are, really.
0: Rick. I'd like to say thank you for coming on the show. I wish you the best with your whole gaming empire, you know, your whole overlord thing that you have going on. (laughs) And keep up the good work. Well, thank you,
1: sir. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Ah, no problem, man. That's what we're here for, man. We cover the world of Kickstarter. It's a show about hope and prosperity in tough times.
1: Honestly, that's what we think uh, games are doing for people, quite frankly, you know? The economy's been tough, as we all know. A game is something that you can buy relatively cheaply. doesn't require getting in your car and going someplace to do it. And you can have friends over, get a lot of laughs, learn some stuff, you know. I mean, I'll proselytize all day long because I just think it's the healthiest, best thing you can do. Except get outside and run around occasionally.
0: In our last segment... We'll meet Theron Kennedy, a writer, poet, teacher, and promoter Extraordinaire. He joins us from Memphis, Tennessee. Check out his self published book, Love Always Theory, at Amazon and on Lulu. Okay, this week we're not having the elevator pitch, which is my favorite part of the show. With that in mind, I'd like to welcome someone who should be on Kickstarter, who should be a card carrying member of the community, Theron. Kennedy and his poetry crib. Theron, what do you have for us this week?
4: All right, I got this poem called I Am for you. It goes like this. For second and third hand humans with cautionary tales for voices, I am unchosen choices. I'm the screams of the silent, the last ounce of peace in the minds of the violent. Muhammad Ali, when they still called him in Cassius, the passions of every working class sacrificial lamb, I am. The dream that won't die in the heart of every punch-drunk lover. The ones who get knocked down but always recover. I am brother to every man, woman, and child of every color. Latino, Asian, Haitian, Caucasian. Every class, every creed, and every nation. I am Sam and Sally and every John and Jane Doe. I am the show. I'm the lessons of the past, power of future poet to her rapper of hymns the fat and fat boys and the shady and slim i am kim and lauren i am sugar hill scarface and bushwick bill i'm the chill of ice cube the heat of john blaze i'm the slave ship and i am the slave i'm the living coward and the dying brave i'm the drug dealer the president i'm the self-loathing and the confident i am the mist i am the treated i am the scarred by battle but never defeated wow
0: you know i have a rebellious spirit too I
4: appreciate
0: that. Oh, okay. DJ Grandpa here, and Theron was just killing it. You know, I'm out of breath, man. And I didn't even sing a note. I'm out of breath.
4: (laughs) All right, then. So I
0: hope all of you out there like that, and we're going to be coming back from time to time to visit Theron's Poetry crib. You know, thanks, Theron.
4: Thanks. I appreciate it very much, man.
0: Okay, boys and girls, since you were such good listeners today, I'm going to reach into my bag and give you a hot tip to help you promote your Kickstarter campaign. Here's tip number one always empower the media to work for you. If you don't have a publicity budget, go to prlog.org and set up a free account. Put out press releases on a regular basis. Each press release should generate 50 to 300 hits, and it all adds up, bringing you more traffic to your site. And there's a bonus because you guys were so good. Always put Kickstarter in the title of each press release. Very important. Now stay tuned next week, tip number two. That's it, the end of the show. I'd like to thank all of our guests this week. And a special thanks goes to Trevor Williams for contributing the theme song to DJ Grandpa's Crib. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage
4: for
6: DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can like us on Facebook, search words DJ Grandpa's Crib. You can also follow us on Twitter at DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. Search for DJ Grandpa's Crib in the iTunes store. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. And if you are not socially inclined, you can still reach DJ Grandpa the old-fashioned way by email. That's djg at djgrandpa.com. Each week, we will be talking to some of the most creative people on the planet. Stay tuned. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer for this and all House of Abdul podcasts is Abdullah Rufus.